We've been talking about apex predators and the food chain, the circle of life, all sorts of books. Now we're here to talk about some Big Sky Conference football. What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown. Haven't done one of these in a little while. Coulter Nuanez, Andrew Houghton, SkylineSportsMT.com. Appreciate our awesome sponsors. It's been a minute. I actually think it's been like since the the beginning. Skyline Sports coming up on our 10th anniversary. Next year will be our 10th anniversary. We got some stuff planned for you and uh, for us as well, which will be super fun. But uh, it's been a minute since we've been doing Big Sky Breakdowns prevalently in the summer. But we have three fine sponsors that want to stay on. Talking Big Sky Conference Sports here during the summer months. So we will uh, be doing Big Sky Breakdowns. All summer long. I got a Google Doc going for all sorts of subjects. So uh, we'll be repurposing some content. We'll have some original, we'll have a ton of original content for you. Uh, planning on catching up with as many people as possible to have their ear to the ground in the Big Sky Conference. It's a sort of a, a reinvention of our uh, beat writer series where we used to have all the, the various newspaper beat writers. And we will still certainly have several of the uh, beat writers from around the Big Sky Conference from the newspaper industry on. But there's also some other people in the media world that just know their teams really well. So we'll have some TV people, some radio people, some podcast people. But expect uh, Big Sky Breakdown episodes with conversations with uh, people that are familiar with pretty much every football specifically, but just school uh, in the Big Sky Conference. So that's upcoming. But here today, right now, we're not going to talk about dinosaurs or prehistoric fish or anything like that. We're talking about the five new coaches in the Big Sky Conference. So if you've been following along, and this is all football related here uh, on today's Big Sky Breakdown. If you've been following along on Nuanas Now, we have been doing our Big Sky Spotlight presented by Dave Maldonado and Maldonado Law. Maldonado Law, uh, proud sponsor of Skyline Sports, as well as the Big Sky Spotlight on Nuanas Now, our daily radio show on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. But we basically decided to cater our, our Big Sky Spotlight is going to feature, by the end of the summer, all of the head coaches from across Big Sky Conference football. You can always find that on all those ESPN platforms. But we're basically putting all the, the five new ones together here for you. So... Uh, new head, new Sac State head coach Andy Thompson has joined us uh, on Nuanas Now. Weber State new head coach Mickey Mental has joined us. Cal Poly new head coach Paul Wolf has joined us. Uh, Northern Colorado's Ed Lamb and Cody Hawkins of Idaho State. They've all been on Nuanas Now. So this here is a repurposing of it. The original content here, though, is we're going to give you a couple minutes on each of these guys, just going from top to bottom. Um, it, it's funny, as Andrew just said right before we started recording this pod, basically two of, if not the two, top programs in the Big Sky Conference, Sac State, Weber State, and then the definitive three bottom programs in the conference last season are, are the ones with new head coaches. And I think that's sort of indicative uh, to a lot of different things. Uh, you know, the the pressure that's on head coaching positions in Division I football the the landscape and sort of state of Division One football uh, currently between the FBS and the FCS the money that exists in the FBS that's luring coaches away I mean you look at the the other probably two premier programs in the league right now and it's Montana State they have a second year now third year head coach and Brent Vegan Jason Eck going into his second year at Idaho so the 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 point is here that there's been a ton of turnover in the Big Sky Conference 
Five years ago, if you would have told me there was this level of turnover and Bobby Houck would be back at Montana, I would have told you that that means Montana is absolutely running away with the conference. That's not the case. The Grizz finished sixth last year. I think that they're at best, the fourth best team in the league in terms of the preseason projections going into this. But before we get to breaking down the challenges at each of these five programs, Andrew, what do you think this is indicative of? There's been a ton of turnover in the head coaching ranks in the big sky, and now sort of as the dust settles, I mean, you got Dan Hawkins at UC Davis, Aaron Bess at Eastern Washington, Bobby Houck at Montana, Chris Ball at Northern Arizona, but pretty much everybody else is relatively, if not brand new. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I wrote about. You get the way of failure, you get the way of success. Sure, right. So you ha- if, you're, if you're good, if you prove yourself at this level, you're not going to be staying at this level for long. And that's true just because of the Big Sky's place in the college football ecosystem. I mean, I know we said we weren't going to talk about like evolution and dinosaurs and everything. <laughs> but I love to compare the Big Sky's place in college football and the entire college football landscape right now because of so much is up in the air. To like Earth in the Jurassic period, everybody's evolving. Everybody's <laughs> trying. True. Everybody's either trying to stay where they are, or get more of what they have, or just freaking stay alive. Uh, and to do that, you need constant change, right? So FBS programs are looking at constant change. They're going to be rating this level. Every offseason, we see it in players now with the way the transfer portal is, but it's always going to happen in the coaching ranks. But the same thing applies to the the programs at the bottom of the Big Sky Conference. You cannot stay at the bottom of the Big Sky Conference for long, right? Things are changing. If you stay there, you might get left behind. You you there's just so much up for grabs, so much at stake even at the bottom of the Big Sky Conference that you feel compelled to make a change just to 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 keep up. And for a long time there was this notion that just having a sustainable football program that produced you know, steady student athletes and, you know, won as much as they lost. That, that was sort of the deal. But now pretty much everybody is bought into what is this giant uh, earning potential when it comes to college football. So it, it's interesting. I don't know. When I look at the big sky, I look at the, the final standings from a year ago. To me, the league has almost fully restratified itself. The one outlier being eastern washington maybe the second outlier being cal poly what i'm saying is last year here's the big sky standings sacramento state montana state okay i can totally see why those teams are good given where they're at what their institutional support is their resources etc weber state also has some advantages within the big sky conference and they also had one of the great coaches in the league's history in jay hill for the last nine years Idaho's a flagship member, a traditional power. UC Davis has nothing to do with the Big Sky Conference other than in football. But Dan Hawkins is a proven winner, especially at the uh, non-Power 5 level of college football. And Davis, California is a sweet town, uh, you know, in the middle of a, a place that's a, a hotbed for football recruits. And then Montana's Montana. Montana has still, even with a sixth-place finish last year in Big Sky football, still has among, if not the strongest brand in the Big Sky, you know, the most prestige and tradition-laden program. You know, then you get to Portland State. They have advantages, disadvantages. Eastern Washington has been playing above its head for so long, given its disadvantages. They also have distinct advantages. Northern Arizona, I think Flagstaff's sweet. I don't really know what the, the culture is there in Flag now, though, in terms of interest within the community and the student body in athletics in NAU. And then 
I, I guess what I'm saying is it's just interesting to me that like from resources and popularity, the league is basically in almost perfect order. The only real outliers are Montana being in the middle, Cal Poly being near the bottom. I guess what I'm saying is as we get into this conversation about what are the most challenging rebuilds in Big Sky Conference football among these five head coaches, you start with Northern Colorado, Ed Lamb, Idaho State, Cody Hawkins, because those are the two schools and programs that have the most intrinsic disadvantages. Right, but I think the other reason that goes into this conversation, we're going to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of all these programs. I think all of these places can talk themselves into having advantages, right? Even these programs at the bottom of the Big Sky Conference can talk themselves into they have things that they should that that mean that they should be better than they are. And so it's easy to talk yourself into change. Well, and, and that's the whole thing. That's what I think when we're talking about mid-major college athletics, low-major college athletics, small school, rural, you know, Rocky Mountain West college athletics. Every single school has advantages. Every single school has disadvantages. I think that's what the job of the administration and the coaches are, is to find how do you accentuate your advantages, how do you mitigate and or disqualify your disadvantages. I I totally agree. You and I have talked about this with Idaho State extensively. Recruit more of the better players from Idaho. Somehow, some way, find a way to get, especially some of the kids from smaller towns in Idaho, to go to Pocatello and do it because there's good high school football in Idaho. Same with Utah. How do you sell it? But that's, I mean, there's, there's just so many different ways of analyzing it, but you're totally right. It's about identifying advantages, mitigating disadvantages. Right, and that's something that is really tough for head coaches are a part of it, right? But that's something that has to be a part of the entire university, right? You have to have strong leadership from the, the president, the athletic director on down to not only empower your coaches to chase those advantages that they think they have, but also help identify them. You know, you, you want to set a tone for what your university is, and that yep. trickles down to what you want your athletic department to be and what you want your football team to be. You have to have a clear vision of what you are before you can go about chasing and maximizing that. Blackfoot Communications is excited to announce new voice services for small businesses. Paired with our internet services, business Wi-Fi, and technical support, your business can stay connected to your employees, customers, and communities around the clock. Sign up for services in less than two minutes at goblackfoot.com slash more than voice. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is the official digital sponsor of Bobcat Sports and Grizzly Athletics. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Visit GoBlackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help your small business grow, just like they've helped Skyline Sports grow. Big Sky Breakdown, also presented by Town Pump. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. Sign up for the Town Pump Rewards Program. Get discounts on fuel, car washes, and everything in between. Big Sky Breakdown, also presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity um, you can tell me if you disagree with this, Andrew, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically go in descending order of what we think is the toughest rebuild down to what's maybe not even a rebuild, because I do think that probably Sac State and Weber State are not in rebuild mode. They're in sustaining mode. Uh, but we'll go in sort of descending order. We'll break down the situation at large within each program, and, you know, to the best of our knowledge. We're, we're looking at this from, you know, it's not a 30,000-foot view, but it's definitely not a we-live-next-door view either. A lot of these programs, we're looking at it from probably like a, I don't know, 2,500-foot view, whatever it might be. But 
um, you can you can argue with me if you'd like, but I think that the 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 hardest rebuild here is at Northern Colorado because I think that Northern Colorado was a successful program when they were Division Two. They had zero success during the Scott Downing era. Ernest Collins was basically winning one third of his games, but he was also a beloved figure. I know I don't know if you got to know him much during the Big Sky kickoffs, but he's he's such a stoic impressive man like he's just a very steady guy and i just loved talking to him he remembered everything about us all the time how skyline sports going what's going on a part of that's because hardly anybody's covering them but but in terms of somebody that fits the university i mean he's an alum he played on a national championship team he has the uh, university's best interest in his mind and he's also a hell of a golfer well then northern colorado goes completely opposite the riverboat gambling hire Ed McCaffrey, and from everything that we've heard from covering the Big Sky, being around Big Sky people, what we've read in the Greeley Tribune. Shout out to Jaden Adams for her good reporting on Northern Colorado football. It was an unmitigated disaster. There was there was no real Division One football program operation going. You're talking about multiple assistant coaches that that had other full time jobs. Like the level of investment, both from a money and time perspective, just seemed like it wasn't there. And so Ed Lamb takes over Northern Colorado program that I believe is in a state of disarray. A new voice might be able to write the ship pretty easily, but what does that mean when you have a program that's completely struggled during their division one existence dating back to 2006 ed lamb has great experience in the big sky but i mean do you disagree or is this the biggest rebuild in the league i disagree with you yeah i got got idaho state yeah i think those are the two that are sort of fighting fighting it out here's what i would say about northern colorado i agree with everything you said about ed mccaffrey's tenure there and i think it's so hard to judge what ed mccaffrey did because I mean this was his first real experience coaching football. He'd coached for two years in high school, right. and then goes and gets two years at Northern Colorado. And it's so difficult to judge. Like, could that have turned around? But all of the reporting and all of the results out of there were that it was difficult. And even with that coaching staff and those things happening there, they won three games last year. That's more than Idaho State won. I also think that. Uh, you know, we talk about the level of high school football in Idaho. I think that Northern Colorado has a bigger talent base that they can tap into. I think particularly when you combine the amount of talent that's coming out of the metro area of Denver, also with Ed Lamb's connections in, in Utah. Teasers and spoiler alert, Ed Lamb is going to address this because I act, asked him specifically about this. But here's my theory. The... The Denver, let's call it the Denver all the way to Fort Collins, that whole area, a ton of people, highly populated. It's also a very expensive place to live. It's a very affluent place. So many of the best athletes, especially football and basketball players, are going to these academies, these these private schools. You're an East Coast guy. You know about this very well. But it's it's more than you know, there's a, so many Catholic schools on the East Coast with the great basketball teams, right? The Catholic schoolboy basketball teams. This is such a phenomenon in in Colorado too, and it's it's why Northern Colorado struggles so much because guys 
are getting seen at such a high level that they're almost certainly going to Power 5 if they're good. And if they're falling through the cracks, it's because of reasons where they can't go to Division 1. So to me, it's not a coincidence that Colorado, Colorado State, and Northern Colorado have a hell of a time. There's great Colorado players playing all across the country. Hardly any of them are playing in Colorado. And then the ones that are falling through the cracks, they're going to Division 2 because they're such a rich Division 2 competition level in Colorado led by CSU Pueblo. I don't know. It's it's just it's interesting because you're right. In premise that Northern Colorado has a better recruiting base, but that has proven to not be true. And Ed Lamb is going to talk about this. Not to get too sociological on you, and I'm excited to see what Ed Lamb has to say about it. I just think that the biggest variable in all of this by far is the population size. If you have the population size, there are going to be good players there, and there are going to be good players that you can find. Regardless, what you're saying is absolutely true. You're absolutely right. There are private school football factories in Colorado. Ed McCaffrey coached at one of them, Valor Christian, before he took the Northern Colorado job. Absolutely, if those kids are any good, they're getting seen. They're not going to Northern Colorado. And I think that is a variable. I just think the biggest variable is strictly the population size. And now Idaho's growing. Boise's growing. Sure. Coeur d'Alene, you know, northern Idaho growing in population. But I think there's a big advantage for northern Colorado there. I think short-term, northern Colorado's got a big advantage because I think, just looking at next year, I think they've got the quarterback on the roster in Jacob Sermon, right? Oh. I think that's a guy who you can build around. So we'll start this with Northern Colorado head coach Ed Lamb. This is his appearance uh, from a few weeks ago on Nuanas Now. We have been catching up with a variety of the uh, new head coaches in the Big Sky Conference in football. And uh, lately it's been more like some old friends from Big Sky Conference football that are now back in the Big Sky including the guy who's going to join us here in just a minute. Uh, sounds like we do have Coach Lamb. Coach Lamb was at Southern Utah for a handful of years. That's where I first got to know him. Now he's back in the big sky uh, with Northern Colorado as the head coach there in Greeley. Coach Lamb, I haven't talked to you forever, man. How's things? How you been? Oh, things are good, Coulter. Yeah, it's nice to hear your voice again. Appreciated what you did for the Big Sky Conference back in the day when I was at Southern Utah and what you're still doing. And I, I uh, Just a couple of Months ago, I was able to gather with all of the Big Sky head coaches. It was great to see um, people that I'd, I've known for so long and great to be back in the conference, and you're a part of that. Well, thanks, man, and it's great to hear from you. Uh, you were at Southern Utah for a good amount of time and then left there in 2015. Southern Utah had a little bit more success after you left, winning the, the 2017 Big Sky title as well. Since then, though, they've moved out of the league, so a lot of things have changed. Uh, it seems like just yesterday and forever ago uh, when you were coaching in the Big Sky Conference, so just fill in the gaps for people. Uh, you were at BYU. Uh, what did you think of the experience, and also what do you think of just uh, the way that the Big Sky and college football has changed since the last time you were in the league? Oh, yeah, um, good question. I Well, yeah, I really felt like that uh, that that we had taken Southern Utah um, to a, a good place, and um, you know, at the time when I was there, we the, we had a new president, a new athletic director, and uh, you know, we won that championship, and yet they were still you know talking about that you know the Big Sky was too big and too competitive, and you know, our budgets didn't match up. There was even talk from that president that about moving, you know. Um, moving to non-scholarship football or division two and just not a lot of things made sense to me after, after the successful run that we had there. So 
you know, I figured when I took the job at SUU, I didn't care what it paid. I didn't care what the budget was. And all of a sudden when I started caring about those things and, and paying attention to the way other people are doing their jobs, like the president, athletic director, and guys like that, I knew it was time to let somebody else take it. And the BYU opportunity op- opened up. The head coach there, Kalani Satake, and I played together. We've been, you know, friends and, and colleagues for a couple of decades. And, and so the chance to go back to my alma mater and, and be part of building uh, that new staff and, and getting that thing going was, was really attractive and the timing was right. And then, uh, you know, I, I think the idea in my mind was always to become a head coach again. And it, it seemed like every year I was interviewing for a, a job of several of them in the mountain West conference. And I felt like that it was going to happen at any time, but I really didn't realize how much I missed being the head coach until I took this job at UNC and, and kind of took it on, took it on a leap of faith. But I've been having a blast here. I'm enjoying the the university, the the town of Greeley and the surrounding areas, the players here. My family has made a nice transition. It's just, it's really been better than I could have hoped for. Ed Lamb joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. He's the new head coach uh, at Northern Colorado, but a guy I knew from back in the day uh, when he was at Southern Utah. Uh, coach, spending time at BYU, I mean, I know you played there. You started your coaching career there as well. So what was, what was it like just being back in Provo? I mean, it's a special place. They've got a, they got a lot of passion for football there. So what was the experience like being back at BYU? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the way that, that I came in there and, and, and took the job, you know, Kalani is a very humble guy and he had not been a head coach before. And so the whole idea was, hey, man, this is this is you and I, Ed, and, and let's build a staff together and then let's build the calendar and then let's build a build the program. And it was it was almost at least for a few years, there was almost like, you know, sitting in the head coach's hair, uh, chair or uh, doing it as a co-head coach, and and that was a blast. And I I don't regret any of the time or any of the years there. We were able to see a lot of success. We had uh, you know we it was a it was a program that had you know kind of marginal success against Power Five opponents. And then in the last several years, we really made a nice run and and uh, had a great run against Pac-12 opponents and uh, uh, got invited to the Big Twelve. I mean, there's just so many kind of major milestones for a program that had already reached a lot of national prominence. It was, it was amazing to be a part of that. And that's, that's not even counting all the individual relationships with the players and coaches that uh, came through during the time. So just a great time during my life. I learned a lot from the coaches that I worked with and, and the players and, and BYU is a first class institution, the way that they do things from an athletic standpoint. Well, I know you're from California, but you spent so much time in Utah between between Southern Utah and BYU. Uh, so, what's life been like in Greeley? What do you think of just uh, your new life in Colorado? Oh, this is this has just been um, an amazing fit for me. Um, you know, I I, I got to be honest. I thought Greeley was kind of uh, like this rural outpost, and uh, that was just my impression. And being here a couple of times as an opposing coach. And, uh, you know, the, the Greeley and the, and the surrounding communities here, um, 
it's more like a 200,000 people um, totally. area. I mean, it's yeah. one of the fastest growing areas in the country. I was looking this up the other day. Yeah, I mean, Greeley has well over 150,000 people now, which is like, it's it's grown a ton in the last 15 or 20 years, especially since Northern Colorado joined the league. It, it has, and and uh, you know, I don't, I haven't, I haven't spoken to you about it, but I've got a, a special needs son that um, we found that horseback riding was an activity that we could do. He's pretty, oh, wow. pretty severely uh, uh, mentally uh, disabled, and um, but horseback riding is it, it changed his life, and so we we got into the horse world, and I was, you know, it, in my mind's eye, I was thinking, wow, Greeley's a rural place. I think it's an ag place. I'll I'll go there and maybe can afford 40 acres. You know, <laughs> right. And then I got here, I was like, oh, this is like California expensive here. I had no idea. So, uh, but we were, we, we actually were able to find a, a great spot and, and bring the horses along and, and keep that lifestyle going for my son. And so it's just, it's just been an amazing fit that way. And then the people that we've met in a short time, uh, it was just better than I could have hoped. We we expected a lot of uh, issues with transition and change, and there are always issues with that, as you know. But um, but it's really been as smooth as it can be. Ed Lamb, Northern Colorado head coach here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Uh, this is our Big Sky Spotlight presented by Maldonado Law. Visit BigSkyDefender.com to see how Dave and his team can help you. So what do you think of this uh, the program you inherit then, Coach? Because it's been a, an interesting deal there at Northern Colorado. Had really good stability under Ernest Collins, just not a lot of wins. And then they go completely to the other side of the spectrum. Hire Ed McCaffrey for a couple years. Uh, coach McCaffrey had had no uh, college coaching experience whatsoever. So it's a complete adventure in terms of the program side of things. So uh, now here you are taking that, that over after a couple of years under Coach McCaffrey. So what do you think of just the program you inherit? What do you like about the advantages maybe that you've been able to find so far? And what are some of the things uh, you want to remedy or that, that you uh, want to get going in the right direction there in Northern Colorado? Well, I can tell you, there's you. Know, I I do think that uh, I was on the short list of candidates here, and and probably got the job for what we were able to accomplish at Southern Utah, right? Like, the, you know, there's there's, it's no secret that Northern Colorado, in comparison with a lot of the, the Big Sky programs, has some institutional obstacles uh, to overcome in order to be successful in football. The, you know, the budget, the size of the school. The facilities there, there, you know, there are there are places that are probably better situated, right, in the big sky, and and uh, but the reality is, it is so far ahead of the program that we took over at Southern Utah. Southern Utah was on an 18 game losing streak, the longest losing streak in the country. They were they were two million behind the next lowest uh, in terms of budget in the big sky. Northern Colorado has an, an outstanding weight room facility, an outstanding practice facility. Our our coaching staff meeting rooms, film rooms, are better than what we had at BYU. I mean, there's there are really some advantages here, and I think some upside to the program. And it's actually, you know, I think I think players in general are always going to pour their trust into whoever the coach is, right? And there's because of the change over here, you've got. Uh, Coach Collins, who was tremendously popular with with really all the players. I mean, he just had a way of of building trust. And then, you know, Coach McCaffrey came in and there was a lot of excitement there and guys poured their trust into that. And then now, uh, here I come and and they're they're doing the same thing. But they've also been able to kind of see, uh, see a lot now. These are experienced players that are able to see strengths and weaknesses in different coaches that come through. So, 
we don't spend any time as a coaching staff trying to figure out how the previous guys did it and, and trying to be the same or different. I mean, that's, that's not a good exercise. But it's really cool to see a group of players that's able to kind of give us some feedback and say, hey, Coach, really appreciate what we're doing in this way and excited about the future. And, and that's the kind of feedback and buy-in that we're getting right now. When it comes to just uh, rebuilding it but also just recruiting to it, what do you think of just sort of the the lay of the land there in Colorado? It's been fascinating to me to watch just Colorado in general, right? I mean, in the, you look back in the 1990s and – you know, CU Buffs are, are one of the top programs in the country. They, they, you know, they played for multiple national championships, won a national championship. Uh, Colorado State, when Sonny Lubick was there, was a, a tremendous program. And in Northern Colorado was winning multiple uh, national championships in the 90s. And then you've seen some challenges from all of those schools. And part of it, I think, is just because so much of the great talent in Colorado it got started getting discovered and started going to play in the SEC instead of staying home. So, I mean, what do you sort of think of the landscape of recruiting there uh, in your home state? That's really insightful, Coulter. I, I really, there are a lot of similarities to what was going on in the state of Utah when I took that Southern Utah job. Mm, interesting, yeah. There were, yeah, there, I, I thought at that time that Utah was severely under-recruited. And a lot of the big-name schools in Utah, when I was at SUU, they were talking about, well, all the, all the good talent's leaving. But um, the, I think in, in terms of Colorado, you see that the in-state talent, for the most part, over the last several years, has been going to the Division II level. And, and Colorado has a robust Division II population, right? I think there are five or six Division II schools here. Oh, and guess what? They're, they're competing for the national title every year, one of these schools. When you talk about Pueblo and School of Mines and, and you know national prominence, like you don't do that without good football players, not just good Division II football players, good football players, period. Those, those uh, you know, Colorado School of Mines and CSU Pueblo, they can step on the field with an FCS program any day and go toe-to-toe. They have really good players and so we've made a commitment to do that we signed 14 players in our first recruiting class from colorado uh we're giving first priority to you know when we need portal guys to kind of shore up some depth at certain positions we're making sure that we're looking at the guys first who are maybe coming looking to come back to the state of colorado who are originally from here i think that colorado has excellent football i think it's under recruited I look at, you know, websites like 247 who have, you know, they've got 300 players ranked in the state of Utah and only 11 ranked in Colorado. Wow. I think there's a real issue there with under recruitment. That, that's fascinating. And it is because so, so often so many of these rankings and stars and all that sort of stuff, uh, it, it dictates the way people recruit for better or for worse. Ed Lamb joining us here uh, on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Uh, last thing for you then, Coach, it, it, it's so interesting to me to look at the landscape of the big sky. And on one hand, you have uh, almost half the league is going to have new head coaches this year. But so many of those new head coaches aren't newcomers to the big sky, right? Whether it's yourself or uh, Coach Hawkins there at Idaho State. He spent some time at UC Davis. Or Paul Wolf, who was at Eastern Washington before. Now he's at Cal Poly. And, and on down the line, it seems like most of the staffs have some familiarity previously in their careers with the Big Sky Conference. So how do you think that influences the makeup of it? And what do you just sort of think of the, the general landscape of the league? Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier in our call the 
how college football has changed and, and, you know, particularly like the power five level and with NIL and some of that stuff going on, the transfer portal and, and all of those things I think have potential to be really good for college football. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, the highest authority on what's good and what's bad for college football, but just in my personal opinion, I think it's holding coaches accountable. I think that the big sky, there's a, there's an excellent balance between a high level of competitiveness. I mean, you can achieve anything being a big sky conference football player. You can go to the NFL. You can, you can play at a really, really high competitive level. We have our guarantee games where you get a chance to step up and play against some of the top schools at the highest level. And yet I think there's also a balance. I think there's an expectation that uh, coming to college is a sacrifice. There's not an expectation of signing a national letter of intent with also a name image and likeness deal of an extra 500,000. It's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a pure form of football uh, much like when I coached at the division three level, but obviously the the competitive level is so much higher. And so I think that's why you have uh, a lot of quality coaches. Certainly coach Hawkins could be, coaching at a, at a bigger school and, and for more money, he could command that, but maybe he's found that as well. I haven't talked to him. Don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's really what I see. And that's what I appreciated about the conference. I think there's a lot of validity there. And I think it's uh, it's spot on. And I think a lot of guys have seen a lot of different uh, experiences at the top level and uh, realize just how good in a variety of ways the Big Sky Conference is. It's Ed Lamb, Northern Colorado head coach here on Nuanas Now. Coach, great to hear from you. Uh, not the last time we'll be in touch with you, certainly. Uh, but we'll look forward to meeting back up with you in Spokane at the media days. But between now and then, uh, have a great summer. And uh, we'll catch up with you here soon. But thanks so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for giving UNC a little bit of attention, man. I appreciate it a lot. Join Tom Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items and get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit TomPump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much to Town Pump for their continued support. Town Pump by the Mile, a promotion that we do frequently throughout football, basketball, even spring football. We, we so appreciate Town Pump for sending us on the road during spring, uh, during April, to, to cover spring games across Montana. And, uh, I mean, Town Pump is just so convenient. I got my – it's so funny. I'm so loyal to them because they're so supportive of us, but I – have my go-to town pumps. I, I know where I can go and get get the thing, right? We got a Mullen station here in Missoula, right up the road from our office. My routine, if I ever I need gas, I'm going to town pump. I can get, at Mullen station, I can put a 20 into the Sportsbet Montana kiosk. I can go into the store, get some uh, caffeine right before the radio show on ESPN Radio while my truck is fueling up. Money, beautiful. Anytime we're in transit to Bozeman, we hit up the one in Rocker. It's beautiful. We appreciate Town Pump for their continued support uh, of us here at uh, SkylineSportsMT.com, the Big Sky Breakdown, as well as their support of us on ESPN Radio and uh, our daily radio show, Nuanas Now. Certainly we'll hit a Town Pump next time we're on our way to Pocatello. That's certainly one of our hubs that we hit up frequently while we cover the Big Sky Conference here at Skyline Sports. 
And uh, that's what's upcoming here next is our interview with Cody Hawkins, the new head coach of Idaho State. But uh, it's always fun to talk about Idaho State now because Andrew Houghton, who's joining me here, he spent some time in Pocatello, so he has a firsthand view of the whole thing. We were just talking about how you can recruit, what are the biggest rebuilds. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll save my comment about Pocatello being the butte of Idaho and how I would use that in recruiting. I'll save that just for a minute. You think that Idaho State's an even tougher rebuild than Northern Colorado. Tell me why. You, you stated your case for the population base, but in your estimation of being there in Pokey, what are the things that are, are uh, causing Idaho State to struggle? Because they, they have, they've struggled largely in a variety of different sports over the last you know eight to ten years. Yeah, I think part of my the reason for my take on this is sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? <laughs> like, Northern Colorado got Ed Lamb, and Idaho State went and got Cody Hawkins, who I think has the potential to be a really good head coach. But that's, you know, you're going out and getting the youngest coach in Big Sky Conference history, is that right? Certainly the youngest coach in the Big Sky right now. Youngest coach in the Big Sky right now, this is actually funny that you say this because sometimes I just have these random thoughts and it causes me to text a random person that might know about this. But my random text to random uh, current and former Big Sky colleagues last night was, where's DeMario Warren? DeMario Warren was the youngest coach in Big Sky history. That still stands when he took over at Southern Utah. I believe he was either 29 or 30 years old. He's absolutely the youngest co- head coach in Big Sky history to win a Big Sky title. He won a Big Sky title his second year as the head coach at Southern Utah. I believe he was 30 or 31 years old at that moment. Th- talking about unbreakable records, that, that's going to be a, a tough one to break. To be 31 and, and coaching a Big Sky title team, at, or a conference title team at any level of Division One football, uh, certainly. But, but Cody Hawkins certainly the, the youngest coach in Big Sky right now. Yeah, and that to me just says something about where they think they are, right? You're completely bottoming out. You're you're going for a guy who, you know, even if Cody Hawkins is a good Big Sky head coach, it's going to take a couple years to figure that out. That tells me a lot about what your expectations for the next season are. And just, I mean, we can talk about the bigger issues with Pocatello, the bigger issues with the Idaho State football program. Just looking at this roster right now, I don't think they they do not have a lot of talent coming back next year. There's there's it's tough because, you know, I covered some of these guys when I was down in Pocatello. They've got some holdovers from the Rob Fennessy era. You know, I followed a lot of these guys' careers. I just don't know where they have a ton of even like above average big sky starters on the team, let alone guys who have the potential to maybe be all-conference. I think they're going to have a really tough year this year, and at that point, it just continues on another self-fulfilling prophecy, which is that Idaho State has sort of been the doormat of the league, and that's what they're known for now. And even if they develop players, they're seeing them move on to, to other teams. That, that's the interesting part, right, is I think that sometimes fan bases grapple with what are the things that make a successful football team and a successful football program. There's the talent element, there's the logistical element, there's the organizational element, there's the execution element, there's the chemistry element, there's all these different factors that go into this. And I I, I agree with you, if you're ranking the challenges that Idaho State has, the number one challenge they have is talent. Cody Hawkins and... That's the biggest problem there is. That's the biggest problem you can have. 
Ed Lamb inherits a roster that has a variety of former Division One dropdowns. Now, are the you know FBS dropdowns? Are these guys, you know, malcontents? Why did they end up at Northern Colorado? That's a wholly totally different story. But there's all sorts of star-rated players at Northern. I mean, Jacob Sermon was an elite eleven quarterback. He was a, I believe, a five-star, if not for certain, a four-star. And it's possible that I'm just getting too far ahead of myself on no, Jacob no. Sermon because he re- hasn't really shown anything sure. at Northern Colorado, sure. and I've like always been ahead of myself on this. Like I was in on the Keandre Woodty thing at Northern Arizona because sure. of his pedigree, whatever. I just but the guys of those pedigrees aren't going to Pocatello, and that's your point. Neither one of those guys would ever go to Pocatello. That's the point. Yeah, I think that's right. You can get Justin Arias, who was the great uh, you know, Walter Payton Award finalist during the height of the Mike Kramer era there at uh, Idaho State. Regardless, the point is that Andrew's assertion that this is a total rebuild and that they are going to have to bottom out before they get better is, I think, confirmed in this interview here with Cody Hawkins. This is from Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, a couple weeks back, our Big Sky Spotlight presented by Baldonado Law. Here's Cody Hawkins, newest head coach at Idaho State. And welcome in the new head coach of the Idaho State Bengals, Cody Hawkins. We've been making the rounds. If it seems like there's been a lot of new head coaches on the show as of late, it's because there's a lot of new head coaches in the Big Sky Conference, including uh, this young man who joins us now. Coach Hawkins, thanks so much for being here. How you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? Very good. I must say it's a little bit strange. Uh, your father, Dan, has come on the show many times, certainly not all the time, but a couple times a year during football season and whatnot. So uh, calling oh, yeah. you Coach Hines is a little bit interesting. So I guess let's just start there. You're familiar with the big sky. You've been uh, working for your old man down there uh, in Davis, but now you have a new job at Idaho State. So uh, what's it going to be like uh, being in the same league as your pops? Well, it's uh, it's definitely awesome because I respect the conference quite a bit. Um being at a place close to where I grew up and went to high school is very special to me, but there's uh, there's no shortage of talent in this league. I know it's going to be a tough climb for us, but, man, so many good clubs, so many talented coaches. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, you mentioned your, your Idaho ties. I think people sort of sometimes miss that part. Uh, your dad was at Boise State uh, during the sort of uh, first initial rise of, of the Bronx as a, a true FBS power, and you yourself uh, went all the way through high school there uh, in Boise. So um, just tell people a little bit about you, your background and your ties to the state of Idaho. Yeah, so I uh, obviously was a coach's kid, bounced around quite a bit, and uh when I was right when I was getting into junior high, my, my father took a job with Dirk Cutter, an Idaho, great Idaho State alum. But uh, Dirk brought my father along when Dirk was the OC at Oregon. He kind of befriended my father when he was the head coach at Willamette University. And he ended up at Boise State with Dirk. And then uh, when Coach Cutter got the Arizona State job, uh, my father was lucky enough to get the head job at Boise State and stayed there through high school. And then right after my senior year, um, he ended up going on to Colorado and ended up with him there. It wasn't a... Wasn't a done deal right away, but always has felt like Idaho is home. I still have a sister who's married to a former Bronco who lives in Boise, so I have four nieces and nephews there. My wife was a Bronco, so I, I know the state well, care for it a lot, and I'm excited to be back. Well, super cool. Cody Hawkins, the new head coach for the Idaho State Bengals, uh, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Most recently, the offensive coordinator at UC Davis, so somebody that's been in the big sky, but now uh, taking on the task of, of trying to rebuild that Bengals program. Uh, I, I think it's so funny, all the ties that bind in the wide world of college football, right? I mean, you mentioned Dirk Cutter. Uh, he took over there at Boise State for the late Pokey Allen, who's a guy who's actually from Missoula, Montana, as we sit here and broadcast to you. And, uh, you know, there's just ties all over the place. And once upon a time, one of my favorite trivia questions was, what's the only school in all the country that has two head coaches 
that claim that school as their alma mater in the NFL? The answer, Idaho State. Marvin Lewis and Dirk Cutter when they were both head coaches in the league. So oh, yeah. uh, how about that element? The fact that you know Idaho State does have a fair amount of tradition. It's just tradition that's been sort of buried in the, in the distant past. So uh, what do you think of that element of this opportunity for you and your staff? No, I, I think one of the big draws of coming back to Idaho is being in a place where the community really cares about football and, you know, the Grizz have really dominated the 21st century. It, did you know my sister was a Grizz, by the way? So oh, I, interesting. I there you go. All right, all right. So we got some Ontario ties across the board. It, yeah, um... But, you know, the, the alumni here are really involved, uh, much more so than many schools in the conference that I've talked to coaches at. And they, they remember when Idaho State was a great program. Now, the problem is, even when they were great, you know, the consistency hasn't quite been there. Um, I think they go through four or five stretchier runs uh, where they have a great quarterback or a great coach or just great team chemistry, and then they fall off a little bit. So I definitely know that uh, you have to do things differently here at Idaho State to be successful, and we plan on using the community and the dome to our advantage, and we're going to do something unique that the community can, can be proud of. When it comes to, to sort of uh, tackling and embracing the challenges, I think that, that is such a common thread among all, all small school sports, you know, at the Division One level is, okay, what do you have that's your advantage? What do you have that's your disadvantage? And how do you accentuate the advantages and, and uh, maybe put the, the disadvantages uh, to the side? So uh, in terms of your advantages there at Idaho State, obviously you just mentioned the alumni base. What else? Uh, what else can help you uh, build up the Idaho State program? Well, the things that are great at Idaho State, I think, number one, having a community that really supports you. Uh, you know, obviously, Montana does a wonderful job supporting their programs. But, you know, here in Idaho, I think for kids from California, it's something that they really sense when they come out to this neck of the woods, whether it's Salt Lake City or Missoula or Bozeman or Pocatello, Boise. Really, as you kind of get up to the northwest and near the mountains, people really love their sports a little bit differently than in, than in California. So we got to play up that community as much as we can. We do have the best nutrition program in the conference. You know, we got a quarter million dollars from a donor annually over the next five years, and we're going to be able to pour that nutrition to make sure that our football program is fed better than anybody in the country. So we're going to have an opportunity to develop kids, which we have to do. I mean, we, we don't have the shiny things that some of the big sky powers do have from a facilities or a money standpoint that we can give kids, but we can develop kids. Um, but in order to do that, you have to keep them here. So we have to build great relationships with those kids. I think I've put together a staff of guys who are really approachable and authentic and probably not the uh, macho football coaches that most people have come to know, but they're approachable and authentic and are going to put relationships at the forefront of what we do. And then playing in the Dome. I mean, we uh, are one of the few schools in the, the conference that has a Dome. Obviously, we were for a long time until the Vandals came back, added another one into the fold. But I think when Idaho State has been good, they've thrown the football. And don't get me wrong, I know running fo- running the football is the best way to win a championship. It absolutely is. But I think if we got to focus on doing one thing well, we can't focus on running it because Montana State and Weber are the closest schools to us, and they're already doing that. And they have a lot of things we don't. So I think if we can focus on being a team that's going to air it out and and be a lot of fun to watch that we'll get better faster. And I think we got to be good before we can be great. Uh, so we'll focus on doing that. Cody Hawkins joining us. It's our Big Sky Spotlight. We're profiling various different head coaches from around the ranks of Big Sky Conference football. Cody, the first-year head coach there for the Idaho State Bengals, one of five new head coaches this upcoming fall uh, in the Big Sky. What do you think of that dynamic, Coach? The fact that, I mean, this is I've covered the league now for 17 years. This is the most overturn I've seen in the head coaching ranks, but it's also interesting because so much of the overturn is familiar faces, right? Like Paul Wolf's been in the league before. Ed Lamb, been in the league before. So uh, what do you think of this sort of the, the landscape of the big sky and uh, the, the turnover in the coaching ranks. 
Well, I'll tell you, it's it's really exciting when you see guys like Jay Hill and, and Troy Taylor leave the conference. <laughs> when you replace, you know, but when you replace it with Paul Wolf and Ed Lamb, and obviously Andy Thompson is a phenomenal coach, and you know Mickey Mental, the whole Weber staff stays basically the same. You know, you thought it could have been great, but really, it's not going to be not going to be any better for somebody trying to to carve out a niche in this conference. No doubt about it. Uh, what do you, what's, what, just give me the dichotomy between UC Davis and, and Idaho State because Davis sort of occupies a unique place uh, in the big sky, uh, can recruit a different type of kid, has to recruit a different type of kid at the same time though too. So um, what's that transition going to be like? What would you learn at Davis that maybe you can take to Idaho State but also how much different is it down there uh, in the farm than it is up in Pocatello? Yeah, well, I'll start with the differences. I mean, Davis could not be more different uh, than Idaho State. I mean, and I, I, it's funny, even now I talk to my, I have so many friends on the staff, you know, have gone to weddings with guys on the staff, live with guys on the staff. But, you know, Davis can offer guys more money. It's a warmer climate. They have better facilities than we do. Um, it's totally different. And they're up and running right now, whereas we're going to have to scrap and claw to get this thing going. And I, I have no problem recruiting the same guys as Davis. And I would tell a lot of guys, hey, if you're from California and you have an opportunity at Davis, you should go to Davis. I think Davis is fantastic. But if you're into what we're doing, you know, Davis can't take everybody. You know, we can recruit more kids. We have a broader spectrum. You know, at Davis, you know, the academic requirements are so tough to get in that probably 80% of the recruits out there you can't even look at. But I know that there are some amazing kids that may not have the academic prowess that some of the Davis kids did, that we can get into school here. And I think playing locally is super powerful. So in Salt Lake and in Boise, and we have to do a great job owning our home territory and getting some of those kids who can play where their family can consistently come watch and support them. You know, I, I love coaching kids that they want to go out and they want to hunt and they want to fish, things that you can't necessarily do when you're at UC Davis. And then also schematically, we're going to be totally different than Davis was. You know, we uh, had an all-conference tight end every year I was at Davis. Uh, had a lot of great players there. We aren't going to have a tight end on our roster here at Idaho State. So I think tight ends are fantastic, but that's not part of the plan to win here right now. And we're going to play with a lot of safeties. You know, Davis is kind of in that, that Weber State mold of trying to have a lot of safeties that can play man-to-man. Obviously, Rex Connor was an All-American last year, and he's going to continue to be a leader and a great player for them. Whereas we want safeties that are going to come downhill and hit you. And we're going to play with three of them on the field, and that's going to be an exciting thing for us. Well, super interesting. Uh, last couple things for you, Coach. Cody Hawkins joining us here on Nuwana is now our Big Sky Spotlight. And you mentioned just sort of taking care of business in your uh, area of recruiting, sort of your home turf. And I've always found that fascinating because by my estimation, there's really good football in Idaho, especially southern Idaho, and there's also great football in Utah as well. And uh, for whatever reason, Idaho State sometimes had a hard time keeping up with the other schools that are recruiting that area because so many of them are. So uh, what do you think? I mean, do you have any evaluation so far of sort of that that home area? And if so, what do you think of sort of uh, your home turf, the talent that uh, lies in your backyard? Well, there is a lot of talent in the area. I mean, you can't deny that. I think Utah is a great school to look at. Uh, just Kyle Whittingham has done an unbelievable job building Definitely. a consistent winner there. And if you look at their team, they say when they're rolling, they uh, do a great job in the Polynesian community. They do yep. a great job with the LDS kids and handling the mission numbers. Uh, but then they also do a great job of kind of spot picking some skill kids from around the country. Because our, our goal and our plan to win here is going to, I mean, you can't get around toughness and discipline. I, Hey, I want to treat kids great and I want to laugh and I want to have fun and I want to talk about the big picture. But if you want to win football games, you got to be tough and you got to be disciplined. And I think those kids are in spades 
when you get to this region of the country. Uh, so both in Boise, you're gonna we got two linebackers out of Boise this past year who are going to be really good players for us. I mean, I think they're FBS kids, and we're fortunate to have gotten them. You know, we got six or seven kids out of the Salt Lake area. A lot of guys on defense. We have some uh, some safeties who are really talented players. A couple D linemen who are going to really help us hold down some gaps there. And I think if you look at the spine of the structure of a football team, you know, safeties, your backers, your D linemen, your offensive linemen, your running backs, you can find so many of those kids in this area. And those are guys with a heartbeat of your football team, and you can find them here. So we have to start there and then then work out from from that standpoint. I know, say first year head coach Cody Hawkins here on our Big Sky Spotlight. Last thing for you, Coach, you guys got one of the most difficult uh, non-conference schedules in all of the FCS, starting out at San Diego State, at Utah State, and then home against a great Northern Iowa program. So uh, between now and then, I mean, well, what are some of the goals for this summer, for this offseason, for you and the Bengals? Well, we're, we're going to have a great triple option package ready for uh, San Diego State. Great <laughs> wing tee, you know, nine, put nine linemen in the game against Utah State, we're going to have to be funky, no doubt about it, because obviously, you know, if you look at the last three Mountain West champs, we're going to play two of them, and then Northern Iowa is probably going to end up being a top-five FCS team. We played them in the playoffs at Davis, and I'm no stranger to their history tradition, and obviously C.O. Day is an unbelievable quarterback, so it's never fun to have to play an elite signal caller right out of the gate. But, hey, I don't, it's all going to be tough, but for me it's not, not about being great tomorrow. It's about getting better. And we got to treat these kids better. The culture here has to be better. The kids' sense of belonging and feeling and connection to the campus, the community, and their teammates has got to be better here. You don't win one game because you're not a good football team. You win one game because the system's broken. So I think our administration here has been unbelievably supportive. They all kind of came on right before COVID and didn't really have an opportunity to get out of the gates. But I think uh, the you know coaches have done it here before. Fenn had some great years before he ended up at Montana. You know he just didn't quite get maybe some of the support you wish he, he would have. And then Pauline and, and Kevin Satterley got in, really ramped things up, and I think had it headed in the right direction. But injuries, culture, variety, tough schedule, variety of reasons um, didn't go well last year. And luckily for me, like the, the dome renovation is going to be done. We're going to have a full staff for the first time. I don't think Fenn ever had a full staff when he was here at Idaho State, and we do now. So uh, the resources are in place, uh, but it's still like water and bamboo. we got to treat kids right build the culture, create a solid foundation. We'll grow from there. Well, Coach, best of luck with the offseason. Very much looking forward to meeting you in person at the Big Sky Media Days there uh, in July. And uh, thanks so much for taking some time out for us today. You know, absolutely. You take care. Have a wonderful day and uh, appreciate all you do for the conference. Blackfoot Communications is excited to announce new voice services for small businesses. Paired with our internet services, business Wi-Fi, and technical support, your business can stay connected to your employees, customers, and communities around the clock. Sign up for services in less than two minutes at goblackfoot.com slash more than voice. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is the official digital sponsor of Bobcat Sports and Grizzly Athletics. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Appreciate our great sponsors, including Blackfoot Communications. They make so much happen for us between Missoula Broadcasting, ESPN Radio, Skyline Sports. They're involved in so many different things, and we can appreciate their continued support, engagement, uh, mentorship, and all that sort of stuff. Visit GoBlackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Our conversations about rebuilding programs and or programs that just have new head coaches across Big Sky Conference football continues. We moved out of Cal Poly 
interesting, Andrew, that we got to see Cal Poly uh, live and in person two weeks in a row when they played the Montana schools. And uh, they gave up, I don't know, let's do the math, like 136 points, I think was the the, the end total. The Grizz hung, I believe, 63. I think the Cats hung 73, maybe 72. It was an embarrassing end to the Bo Baldwin era there at Cal Poly. The Bo Baldwin era lasted a mere two years there at Cal Poly. Uh, a, a systematic and completely cultural overhaul, a moving from Tim Walsh, to Bo Baldwin, and then Bo Baldwin left to take the the offensive coordinator job at Arizona State. Paul Wolf, a name that we're really familiar with in the Big Sky Conference, former Eastern Washington head coach. We'll get to that here in just a minute. It's interesting that we, even though Cal Poly was, in terms of on the field, the absolute worst team I saw on the field last year, they were, in fact, one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the Big Sky Conference. I thought that their lack of talent, their lack of systematic execution was only uh, outdone by their lack of heart and and pride. I was stunned after the game in Missoula. The Grizz played pretty okay on offense, and they hung 60-plus to just completely steamroll Cal Poly. Um, it's interesting to me, we'll get to the why of we didn't rank this as the biggest rebuild in the league, but Cal Poly last year in its own individual self was awful they were terrible yeah two tough games to judge a program on but that's just what you're gonna get in the big sky conference sometimes you're gonna have montana and montana state back to back and i think it's perfectly fair to to judge them on those games and yeah i mean i think thinking back to those games especially you know at montana in the snow they never looked like scoring and they never really looked like tackling nick osmo they look just looked like they wanted no part of like all of the fundamental parts of football during that entire game. Stat check, 57 nothing at Montana. <laughs> That's worse than 63 to 10 and 72 to 28 against Montana State. Uh, this team was so bad defensively they gave up 40 to Idaho State last year. Yeah, and there was a little bit of of progress I think from from the Bo Baldwin era in the second year. They were able to score a little bit. I mean, they scored 21 against Sac State. They finished up the season after those two brutal games against the Montana schools. They actually beat Portland State 49 to 42. I was actually kind of curious to see the progression of the Bo Baldwin experience at Cal Poly. But now it's really just it's really back to square one for them and this is the team that because of sort of the whiplash roller coaster ride of their last couple years I mean going from the triple option to we all figured that the sort of going from the triple option to the Bo Baldwin offense was going to be a multi-year experience now having to to move away from that at least a little bit this is the team in the league that I'm just, I don't know what they're going to look like. I don't know what we're going to get out of Cal Poly next year. I, I don't know what their scheme is going to be. I don't know who their best players are going to be, whether it's going to be, I mean, there are some guys on this roster who we've, we've watched for a couple of years. I don't know if they're going to be relevant at all next year. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's fascinating to analyze how circumstances influence other circumstances within the league and within football in college in the West. What I'm saying is that Paul Wolf created Bo Baldwin. Bo Baldwin was Paul Wolf's offensive coordinator. 
that's why it was interesting when Bo Baldwin then hired Paul Wolf as his offensive line coach there, uh, and then OC, and then all of a sudden he's the, the head coach. But the Bo Baldwin offense, the, the single back spread, is basically the hyper-evolution, and this is just from knowing Coach Baldwin so well. So if by chance you're listening to this, Bo, uh, text me or call me and let me know if I, I get this right. But having, I've asked you about this so many times, so having listened to this, uh, it, it's, a, it's the hyper-evolution of the, the Dennis Erickson single back offense that became in vogue first at Idaho and then rose through the college football ranks, Wyoming, Washington State, then Miami, Arizona State, um, spliced with Greg Olson's offense. Greg Olson, most recently the offensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders, but a guy that spent a lot of time in college football. And, you know, with, with influences of some of the stuff Paul Wolf was doing. And so it all meshes together. And I think that's why Cal Poly went the direction that they did, is that they had to hire somebody that had a similar philosophy they had already recruited away so fervently from the triple option they've taken their lumps for that they had to continue the momentum of of doing what they were doing yeah i don't think they were ever going to go back to the triple option i just you know kind of wondering what it would be like for cal poly to be like a normal football team for one year to not just veer back and forth between these extremes that's the part that's mystifying to me is during the triple option era, and some would argue it's because of the fact that they ran the triple option on offense. Some would argue it's just because of who they had as their defensive coaches. But Cal Poly was salty. They were salty as hell on defense. I mean, triple option is the thing that sort of defines you when you run it. But all of the best players that I can name from Cal Poly over the last 20 years are defensive guys. I mean, Joe Prothrow, the fullback, and Ramsey's Barden, the receiver, are the two offensive guys. And you know, probably Chris Brown, the quarterback, he was very good as well. Uh, Daniel Graves was a great player. But most of the best guys, Cameron Onko, Nick DeZubnar, Johnny Millard, uh, you know, all of the other great front seven guys, and Marcus uh, Page Allen, like, they've had great players on the front seven, and I don't know what happened to that. Yeah, I think this just goes back to... Uh you know, regardless of the system, just the challenges that come with being Cal Poly. Sure. The challenges of keeping that up at a school that's like that academically focused, uh, that rigorous outside of football. You know, I'm not going to say, I mean, Cal Poly had like back-to-back Buck Buchanan award winners in the 2000s, guys who played in the NFL for a long time. They had three, I think. Yeah, and it's just... I think it's just tough to keep that up. But, like, also, Cal Poly football, since Tim Walsh has been there, has been so intractable from the triple option. You can't evaluate anything else about the program without referring to that and the things that that influences. And it goes even deeper than that because Rich Ellerson was also running the triple option preceding Tim Walsh. To confirm... Cal Poly did have three consecutive Buck Buchanan Award winners. Jordan Beck, 2004. Chris Gokong, 2005. Kyle Shotwell, in 2006. That was also a product of the, the some would say gimmicky, some would say uh, intricate defense they were running, the, the flex defense. Regardless, Cal Poly couldn't delineate from the, the, the overall change. And I do think that Paul Wolf is a guy that's had good success uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Here is... Paul Wolf, 
his appearance on Nuanas Now. We actually recorded this back in 2022, right before winter break, when he was first hired as the head coach at Cal Poly. And we're joined by now new Cal Poly head football coach, Paul Wolf. Coach Wolf, I know we talked to you last fall, but in a different capacity. So congratulations on the new gig. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be in this situation and, and uh, a lot of work moving forward, but, but things are going in a great direction for us. Well, you have been a head coach before, first at Eastern Washington and then at Washington State, and your life's kind of led you full circle to return to the big sky now at Cal Poly and now taking over for Bo Baldwin after he takes the offensive coordinator job at Cal uh, at Arizona State, excuse me, came from Cal and now takes the offensive coordinator job there uh, at Arizona State. Um, I know that in the moment, maybe it's something that you thought might be a possibility if Coach Baldwin moved on, but in the broad picture, did you ever imagine years ago that someday you'd be the head coach at Cal Poly? No, no, not at all. I mean, <laughs> it, it, you just never know, you know, in this business, you, you know, you take a job and, and um, you know, you, maybe you're gone before you want to go or, or things change in, in front of you. And even this came up, you know, kind of, you know, out of, out of nowhere, to be honest. And, uh, uh, and it happened so fast, but, um, but I'm prepared for it and uh, know the program right now inside and out because we've been here for the last two years and, and three years actually, and, and um, you know, we're heading in a great direction. And um, so that part's been, you know, a benefit for myself and the coaches that uh, we're able to stay on staff. You mentioned that it is kind of come out of nowhere. That's kind of how these things work this day and age. I mean, the Arizona State opening happened and then Kevin Dillingham was hired and then all of a sudden you have all these coaches from across the West sort of migrating their way to Tempe. It's sort of a phenomenon the way that this works now and uh, in the Power Five especially you kind of got to hit the ground running. So I mean what was your initial reaction when you heard that Coach Baldwin was leaving and that this opportunity might be available? Well I was I was uh, I was hopeful you know and and um, I, I know I'd created some relationships with our administration and and um, and I know that they felt really good about what we've been doing from a recruiting standpoint and developing these young men, although the wins on the field, you know, have not been there the previous couple of years. But, but you know, we were flipping a, a program from a triple option offense into a pro-style offense and, and um, just changing the type of young men athletically that we were recruiting. So it was going to be – they knew it was going to take a little longer than the average rebuild. Um, but we feel like we were headed in a great direction that way. And, and, um, you know, when it happened, it happened quick, but I think everyone felt really positive uh, with my experience um, being a head coach and that uh, our staff wanted to stay here and we have a lot of quality staff. And so I think keeping, keeping the momentum, keeping the same people and really, you know, the connections that these coaches have with these young players we've recruited the last two years was, was, was pretty vital. Paul Wolf joining us here on ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television around the state of Montana and on the ESPN MT app. He is the new head coach at Cal Poly. This is our Coach's Corner. It's presented by Maldonado Law. Maldonado Law, your big sky defender. Coach, you mentioned just sort of the the program overhaul that's going on at Cal Poly. And I got to know Coach Walsh uh, really well, well his, during his time there at Cal Poly. I had a lot of respect for what he did. But what you guys are doing are, is so much different uh, than the style that, that Coach Walsh was employing. So, I mean, what is the building process like, kind of transitioning away from a triple option style? I know that has influences on the defensive end as well. I mean, what is, the, what is it like to try to sort of overhaul this thing and uh, bring Cal Poly into a completely new identity on both sides of the ball? Yeah, you know, at times, very painful, <laughs> you know. And, totally. And uh, as you, you 
you could see when we played the, the two Montana schools the last few years, it just had been real pretty and, and that's going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, this is not the type of school where we can bring in a tremendous amount of four, uh, four year transfers or junior college transfers. Our academics are, are pretty stringent and um, we have to have a high academic individual come here. And so those just really aren't in the transfer portal as much, obviously, uh, or even from the junior college ranks. Now, I'm not saying we won't take young men from those two areas. We will. Um, but the percentage is pretty low. Um, so you got to go with the high school route, you know, and when you do that, you're playing a lot of young men that really probably shouldn't be playing the volume of reps each Saturday against guys that have been, you know, been in the weight room three, four years. Uh, they kind of knock guys around, and that has happened to us the last few years. Um, you know, and, and as these kids mature that have played maybe before their time, um, they're going to be better for it. You know, we just have to go through those growing pains. You know, the, the only way to get out of a, a, you know, a complete rebuild like we were doing is, is really kind of go through this process, unfortunately, that nobody likes, but, but it's necessary to get us to where we want to get to. And, and uh, you know, you, I look, it's been interesting. You went Georgia Tech uh, uh, when they got rid of uh, Paul Johnson and they made the transition with uh, – with Collins, it's, it, it took it takes some time to, to change the philosophy, change the, the, the style and athlete that you're bringing in. So um, that's kind of where we were at. I, I do think that people are going to be surprised on, on our improvement this year. I think we're going to take a big step, though. Football is so so much like a pendulum, right? It swings back and forth, and it's so interesting to analyze the Big Sky Conference over the last – 30 or so years, just the, the different styles that have taken precedent and then the ways that teams have either sort of replicated that style or maybe gotten the polar opposite. As of right now, though, when you watch the national championship game on Sunday or you watch you know what Montana State did this year to run to the Big Sky Conference Championship, it seems like there's a heavy emphasis on line play and running the football. What, would you, what do you think of just sort of the way that the Big Sky has evolved and where do you, how do you think uh, your philosophies both previously and now fit into that? Yeah, you know, it has definitely changed. You know, the, the ability to run the football in this conference has gotten so much more physical like the Midwest teams were, you know, have been in the, over the years, and uh, particularly with the, running with the quarterbacks. You know, and in, in the olden days, you would, uh, wouldn't run your quarterback because they were built on throwing the football, and you, and you wouldn't want them to get hurt by taking the pounding. And, um, but now we've got some more durable guys in there that can run the football uh, and, and sustain those kind of – hits that, uh, you know, quarterbacks in past years didn't. And so it definitely changes. You know, you gain numbers, obviously, in the run game. And so you, you have bigger plays in the run game when you were able to run your quarterback. So, you know, it's it's different, you know, and, and, and uh, it's very effective. And um, if somebody can control the clock and run the ball, it, that makes it really hard on any other offense. And so um, it's definitely changed. I, I think for us uh, in my past philosophy when we were at Eastern Washington and we built the program there, it was based on physicality and size, but we wanted to be explosive in the passing game as well. And so balance was a key thing for us back then. Uh, and, and that's our philosophy going to be here at, at, at Cal Poly. I mean, we, we've got the ability to hopefully get the athletes and throw the ball in the air a, a good amount. We want to be exciting. We want to be explosive in the pass game um but the element of being physical in the run game is, is a must because if you don't you're going to get beat by teams that run the ball extremely well so we've got to have balance there we've got to be able to play complement football to help our defense um out better than we've done and you know those will be some of the emphasis moving forward for us coach's quarter presented 
by Maldonado Law. Dave Maldonado, the Big Sky Defender. You can find any and all ways that Dave can help you out at BigSkyDefender.com. Paul Wolf, Cal Poly new head coach, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television on SWX Montana TV. And Coach, there's been much made of uh, the challenges at Cal Poly just because it is an elite academic institution, one of the great polytechnic and STEM schools in the country. How do you sort of use that, uh, th- those challenges, that academic prestige, to your advantage? You know, I, I think when you look right now at, at what our graduates are doing when they leave this school, I mean, a majority of these young people here um, have jobs before they walk across the graduation stage, and um, and they're they're doing extremely well right out of right out of college. First job, some of these kids are making six figures and. And uh, when you see that and you know that that's a lifelong 40-year degree that you're getting, um, I think a lot of high academic kids that are great athletes want to have that. And, um, you know, there's enough out there to do that. And we've got to be able to mind those young men. I mean, our philosophy is that we want to compete for, you know, conference championships and win a national championship and be in that kind of pool athletically. And that has not been a a huge emphasis for this school. Um, it is now. So our goal is to entice those young men that want to be able to come to a winning program and have a chance to compete for for titles, um, in addition to have a phenomenal academic institution and, and have a degree that, that's going to last forever. Um, there are all young men out there that, that want that. And um, our job is to build a football program up to our academic level. And, uh, and you know, with John Madden's big gift and, and the Madden family um, developing a, a new football facility, a $30 million facility uh, that we're going to start construction on here in, in a few months um, is a huge step in that direction. And Cal Poly has tradition. I mean, I think five playoff appearances over the last 18 or so years. I mean, Rich Ellerson uh, was a great coach and, and uh, had Cal Poly in the, at least competitively close to the playoffs often. And I mean, Tim Walsh had a couple different playoff appearances there at Cal Poly and was close a couple other times as well. So um how do you sort of feed off of that or reignite the already existing success that has been at Cal Poly? I mean, you know, by winning, you know, we've, we've got to be able to get back in that, in that position where we're winning games, you know, weekly and uh, put ourselves in a position to compete for a playoff spot and, and a, a, ch- a championship. And um, it's hard work and it's going to be a commitment and dedication by everybody involved here on our campus and, and our, and our players. And uh, we feel like we have the young nucleus of young men that, that can put us in those situations moving forward. Um, we got to continue to coach them hard. We got to develop them. Uh, develop them as as young men and develop their physical bodies. But I, I feel like you just keep doing what we're doing. You work hard, you develop them hard, and um, you know you you keep growing them. And uh, once we elevate our our performance on the field, I think all the other things will fall in place. Paul Wolf, Cal Poly head coach here on Nuanas Now. Last thing for you, Coach. What is the most exciting part about this new opportunity taking over as a first year head coach in the Big Sky Conference? You know taking this program to levels it's never been. And, and that's, that's exciting as, as a head coach uh, is to be able to work with our staff and, and people with on, on our campus to move a program forward, to do things that it's never really accomplished on a consistent basis. And so um, that's exciting to me. And, um, you know, just the work of it, you know, the work it takes to go in then watching it grow, watch the successes along the way. Of course, there's heartache along the way, but, um, watching the growth is going to be, is, to me, is what's fun. And um, I'm excited for that and looking forward to all the success moving forward. 
Well, Coach, I'm sure we'll keep tabs with you and uh, catch up with you throughout the offseason leading up to the 2023 football season. But again, congratulations, and uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on ESPN Radio. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.